All right. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Double B Creates. We have another gentleman today who is a business consultant out of San Diego. He owns Shift Magazine, and he's an eight-time author, as well as uh, he has his PhD and he's active military. <coughs> military. My voice cut out. Pinky out. So anyway, this is uh, Rob Garcia, and thank you for hopping on, man. Yeah, not a problem. I'm glad uh, glad you guys asked me, and I know we've uh, we've talked before about doing this. So I apologize that it took a while. You know, the holidays and the such. Yeah, I think the last time I asked you, you were on active duty. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, I did a, did a little sixer in the Middle East uh, in 2018. That was a that was a blast. It's always such a a, a fun place to visit. <laughs> I see what you did there. It's a blast. Yeah, I'd like to see that. <laughs> so let's uh, let's kick this off by uh, having you tell people where they can find you, uh, all of your websites, your books, stuff like that. Yeah. So the the main site is yournextlevelsuccess.com. You can watch uh, my business videos on there. You can uh, find free information for helping you generate income within your business. Um, so that's the main one. People know me from my Facebook group, which is Success Engineers with Dr. Rob. So I run that every day and uh, free business training, contests, giveaways. Um, very intimate uh, locations, like 650 members. So we all kind of know each other like family. And then um, my main course is called Tactical CEQ. It's at tacticalcequcourse.com. Uh, six weeks training, learning how to essentially pivot from being a business expert to an industry leader. Um, by doing better social media, media interviews like this, stuff like that. Very cool. And you mentioned the success engineers. I mean, I agree that it's, it's pretty tight knit. I mean, we already had Dalbo on, um, Dudek just hopped on. Uh, now we've got you, Richard Kaufman's coming on here soon. So Dude, that's great. So the next conversation we, we need to have, um, and I'll hook you up with this one for free is, is uh, sponsors. Let's get you guys paid. That's on our to-do list. <laughs> next to-do list. We've actually built like a plan that we want to enact on. Very cool. I've, uh, I'm, I'm four no, uh, for getting sponsors for, for podcasts. My record is about five, uh, in one day for each podcast. Jeez. Um, Wow. So I got, I got the process down. So yeah, I'll be happy to help you with you guys and I won't charge you because I know you. That's, yeah, awesome. that's awesome. And you had mentioned like there's a lot of free content and stuff on your website. I mean, honestly, I've never paid Rob a dime and well, no, I, I gave you 10 bucks, but it wasn't for you. <laughs> so, I mean, and I've known you for what, two years, three years, something like that. It's been and, a while. I thought I knew you at the, when I was at the old apartment in North Park before I went to the Middle East. Yeah, and um, that was three years ago. I've I've learned a shit ton from you. I mean, you did a live not too long ago that was like five things you need to in, increase your business, and I was just like, oh shit, that actually makes sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thanks, man. It's it's uh, I've seen a lot of growth in the last. Uh, you know, I've been doing this for about four years. That's when I started Shift, and I lived in a smaller apartment, uh, kind of up the street actually, and um, just the exponential growth has been amazing, and uh. Oh man, I've, since I started like three, four years ago, you know, I'm up to about 125 interviews, um, Fox news, CBS radio, all this stuff. And the magazine's going well. Uh, I pop it out four times a year and, um, 
the quality of people that I'm rubbing elbows with, man, I'm always cultivating the network, right? I'm, I'm always like kicking inactive people out. And I'm, I'm just reaching out to people that are, that are engaging and really into cross promotion. You know, you guys have talked to Dudek and Dolbo and Kaufman. These guys are master connectors. Like these are the guys that you want to surround yourself with because they will promote your stuff. They will bring a Steve Sims to your, you know, your, your uh, podcast. They will introduce you to famous people they know and they never want anything. They're just like, hey, I just do this because I love people. And they're, they're three of the most genuine people I've ever met. You know, I agree. And I think, I think that it's good. I mean, so many people are out there now that my chair's sinking again. Damn it. So many people are out there like, Oh, I don't care who I step on. I'm just going to make money and screw everybody else. And they're just going to screw themselves in the long run. Yeah. And it's a, uh, I had to do a hard pivot because I was that guy because I know any better when I first started. And I was trying to just sell to everybody and, and I didn't have any brand credibility. I didn't, nobody knew who I was. I didn't even know what my own message was. I just knew I knew some business stuff. And I assumed because I had a PhD, I was, you know, I was smarter than everybody and, and <laughs> change my mind on that one, buddy. <laughs> you, <laughs> you keep launching eBooks and courses, making zero sales. You're like, ah, something's got to change. And so I focus really on the network. I focus on the connections and I focus on being selfless and weeding out the people that didn't reciprocate. That's the big one. So I'm one thing I do, it's a little bit different is I'll, I've cut a lot of influencers and a couple of millionaires out of my network just because they didn't reciprocate. Like they didn't, they don't play ball. They just show up for themselves. They're bragging about their money. They're Bentley, their designer purses, all the stuff. I don't see them ever promoting other people. So, okay, bye. I don't even have time for that because if you're in my network, it means you're actively trying to lift everyone up around you. That's, that's my philosophy. I think, uh, that's really good. I mean, is if you have a good culture of people that people want to be around, obviously it's going to generate. <laughs> dad, dad duties. Well, perimeter I, breach. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Redheads. <Every episode. laughs> oh, oh right. man. So, what is that? That's 20 and oh, <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Got no, what, what he does is he knows I'm on the phone and he loves Brad so much that he's yeah. like, he wants to come in and just say, hi, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> but any, anyway, um, I think I think a business is going to flourish a lot more if there's a, a decent culture built around it. Yeah, and that's the, that's the thing I'm learning, man. And I've really been thinking about this the last couple of days is not just having a company but a brand. Not just having a business but a brand. You know, and you look at yeah. Apple – you look at like Black Rifle Coffee, you know, Nike, whatever. And I really want to turn um, Rob the Warrior Strategist into something recognizable, something that is that people turn to it for business help, for business education, you know. And I, 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 that's what I'm really trying to shift. And I've done a, a, a pretty good job of up-leveling it. You know, I'm always working on like the photography and the, the messaging and the posts and being everywhere. Um, but that's, that's when you really know that you're creating like a, a social change. You know, I don't know if you know my, my work with Dolbo, but you know, Dolbo was in a bad spot and I heard about him from a friend and I raised like 2,600 bucks for him in like three days. And mm -hmm. it's, I'm not trying to like brag or pat myself on the back, but it was, it really showed me like, Hey Rob, you've actually come to, from a place where you can help people now and use this audience for, for good, you know? And so I I hosted this giant business uh, seminar 
sold tickets to it. And um, just a lot of people bought tickets and I just gave it all to Mike. Like I took no money at all and just handed it over to him. So he got out of that vet shelter and now he's in his room. He's doing his voiceover stuff. Um, and I'm going to keep working with him, helping him out. He just wrote a great ebook too. So that's, I think that's what building a brand is about, is about the difference between a brand and a company or a business is actual like getting involved in the community, like doing things hands-on and just helping somebody. And that's, I, I think more people should do that. Yeah. And I mean, there's, and I, I mentioned this a couple episodes ago, there's like circles of people, right? So like you have, um, like all the people that we mentioned, plus like Tamara and a bunch of other people. Um, but then like, you've got like Pat Hilton and Dave Daly and Sean Whalen over in this group, you know what I mean? And so I would like to, to try to bring all of it together. I think that would be really cool instead of just having like little entrepreneurial circles. Yeah. Um, and that's why I started, this is so strange. This is why I started having these parties at my house and I had the holiday party. I have like one and cheese parties twice a month, but it's such a weird mix of people because it is guys like Dave Daly that will show up. It, it's military vets and entrepreneurs and just people that dig my vibe. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's really been cool for me, man. Cause I live home alone. I don't have a girlfriend. I don't have pets. I, I just live here in this, you know, the, the, the San Diego pad. And I like having people like hanging out and being social and kind of gets, gets me doing stuff other than sitting around playing eight bit Castlevania, which is fun. So <laughs> Castlevania is awesome though. You know, as I, as I had said that, I remembered that you did that video, that live video with Dave sitting in your apartment. Oh yeah. I interviewed Dave. He's been over a few times. Um, I got Corey Poirier, who's a TEDx speaker and he's pretty, he's pretty up there, man. And he came from Canada and he's on this like crazy world tour and, and he, uh, he popped in San Diego and he got on the couch and we did an interview and, uh, I've interviewed some, some pretty cool names and I'm, I'm really happy that I'm at that level where people visit San Diego and they come and find me. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. wow, I've actually turned a corner. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting somewhere. Yeah. yeah if i ever venture into california i will definitely find you but i don't see myself going there for a while <laughs> I, it's so funny like the vitriol that people have for california right and i i totally get it um it's it's a weird state we do things a lot of things that just don't make sense and the funniest thing ever is that fox news hates california like they absolutely hate hate it and when i read the comments just all these people that don't live there just automatically assume that it's just all illegal immigrants just running wild. Um, you know, you're going to go to jail for 20 years if you have a gun. Um, you know, we're all dope smoking hippies that voted for Hillary Clinton. Just, just all these things. And it's like, dude, it's nothing like that at all. Just God. Uh, yeah, such an such interesting thing. Just these, these notions that people have of it. Well, it's, it's funny too. because we're both in Utah. Yeah. And like, I, I worked in a call center, like during my teen years and stuff. Oh, where are you located? I said, I'm in Utah. How many wives do you have? Shut up. <laughs> like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, you know, that's the first thing I would assume because Utah is also the MLM capital of the world. You guys probably know that, but it's where the majority of the big MLMs uh, all center out of Utah. And then, you know, the Mormon thing. Uh, my friend Lacey Stark came down to visit me. And uh, she, we, we sat out, we talked about Utah forever. It was great. Um, I've, I've been, I think once and uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting place. 
it's 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 a lot like California. Like it's so quirky, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's. I grew up. Okay, I live in San Diego, which is as south as far Southern California as you can get. And I grew up though in the nor- northwestern tip uh, in Humboldt County, uh, Eureka, which is pot country, and. It's it's like stepping into a Stephen King novel set in 1992 when you go to Humboldt County. Um, the biggest addition to my town in the last 20 years, the biggest cultural addition was a Target. And everyone, that's where people go. There's a Target and there's like a Costco. And that's where you go on a Friday night. And that's, <laughs> that's, the, that, that's uh, uh, where people go to, to talk in uh, the, the social epicenter, which is just crazy, dude. My town, my town was nuts. And um, I couldn't get out fast enough. Netflix actually just came out with, uh, what, like a year ago, a documentary about Humboldt. Uh, the thing about Murder Mountain, right? Yeah, Murder Mountain. That was it. Yeah. Yeah, I heard about that. And there's, uh, there's, here's what's crazy about Humboldt. There are five unsolved cases where girls have just disappeared, gone. And it's almost always involved with drugs. It's something sketchy. Like they either get involved in a cult or harvesting on someone's farm that they shouldn't. Um, there's a lot of crime that goes on up there and a lot of ways you can get away with stuff they have found uh, this is kind of morbid but they have found like torsos in the slough <laughs> you know i'm not surprised yeah yeah after watching that uh it, it's funny because i mean that that type of shit's everywhere to be honest yeah. but uh, it just like they they talk to all the locals and they're like this tight-knit community you know it's just like a small town like the one i live in but they they portrayed it as like this big shithole, basically. <laughs> no, it it's it, it kind of is. And I've been, you know, I lived in Louisiana for a while. I've gone through Arkansas. I've, I've visited South Carolina and the East Coast. So it's most interesting thing. It was most similar to North Carolina, believe it or not. I went to Fort Bragg for some Air Force courses, and just driving through North Carolina, I was like, this is very similar. Like rural, a lot of trees. Um, People, you know, marrying their high school sweethearts at like 18. Um, just the, the small town mentality, you know, of a rural lifestyle. I kind of I kind of get it. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's uh, definitely a challenging place to live because the median income is like $23,000 a year. You know, the only pl- way you can make any type of livable wage is to work in the mill or to become a trucker um, or work at Pelican Bay Prison. So it's just, you know, when you have like very little industry going on anymore, it's just, uh, you turn to drugs or you turn to, you know, just, just working an awful job somewhere. And so that's why I left, man. I was 19. I had nothing. And I, I left and, uh, and, uh, the air force kind of straightened me out. And then I started my, my rise to glory. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you've got a hell of a story. I mean, your, uh, your upbringing and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I I appreciate that, man. I, I um, it's I, I was just talking to my friend. I flew in a friend that I went to high school, Eureka High School with uh, this last weekend, and all we did we just went around did touristy stuff and we just told Eureka stories. And both of us had a lot of challenges to overcome, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. And I remember telling her that because it made me who I was. It made me angry. It made me um, motivated to finish my goals and to um, to push myself because, dude. I'm not going to lie, man. I never even thought I'd go to college. I didn't finish, but I never even thought I'd go to college, like get to college. And to be able to have all these opportunities and finish my MBA and finish my PhD in, uh, in education, I mean, it just, um, it just blows my mind. It shows if I can do it, anybody can do it. 
and you know whatever your thing is it doesn't have to be a phd it could just be being a better dad or you know um starting a company or just writing a book but i always encourage people like whatever scares you go for it there's there's no downside most times yeah actually uh i bought a book like two years ago that i forgot about until you just said whatever scares you go for it that uh it says do something every day that scares you yeah. and it's 365 pages and you go through it and it tells you you know think of something that this and that and that and then you write down your you basically journal in this book i need to go find it i'm gonna i'm gonna go through it i think that's, that's gonna be my 2020 new year's resolution or whatever the fuck you have to send me that book that'd be awesome i'll have to do that too I think you guys should be accountability partners and push each other each week. And that's what I really push for in success engineers. My group is every week I say, okay, pick an accountability partner, get it on a call with somebody and then challenge each other to get something done that terrifies you. And at the end of the week, you know, have your second call and just recap, Hey, I did it or I didn't do it. This is why. Um, I'll tell you guys, I have real fears. And what I mean by that is, at times I've been given opportunities to like interview millionaires and I still get squirrely in my stomach talking to them. Um, I'm doing well, but I'm still not, you know, financially independent. Like, but I mean, when you take, when you sign five figure contracts with people, they expect you to deliver and they are not messing around. And I'm at the point now where I've signed a few of them and it's, it's, it's good. I'm very grateful, but it's also like, okay, Rob, you, you have to perform, man. You're, you're Jordan at the, you know, the championship finals. You got to You got to deliver. And uh, if you don't, there's lawsuits and there's loss of reputation and there's all this stuff. So, you know, I have fears just like everybody else, but I'll tell you, uh, do the things that really sometimes will challenge you. If you don't know, there's a chance of success. You know, I, when I started my magazine, people, people said, Hey, it's a stupid idea. Hey, it's, nobody's going to read it. Hey, you're never going to be able to monetize it. Uh, it's, it's a waste of time. And I went for it anyway, because I believed in it. I had faith in it and I had that passion for it. And now I'm at this point where I just put up a post about, Hey, that magazine's coming. We have some features and some ads for sale. If you want to be uh, a featured in it, like the last issue I just put out, dude, we almost cleared $2,000 in sales and it blew my mind. I was like, wow, this is, this is where I'm at now. I'm at this point where people believe in this magazine. They've seen it for four years. They see me interviewing like Delta force and seal team six and some really like high end people. And they want to be a part of it. And it just, um, it just goes to show we all create our destinies and we all can do whatever we want to do. It, it, it just, you have to have the courage to take that chance. And if something does make you a little terrified or a little sick, just run with it. There's, there's not downside for most things that people fear. And that's the bottom line. So Bradley, let me ask you, what, what's the thing you know you want to do within the next two months, project wise, income wise, life wise, whatever that you're kind of putting off, kind of hesitating, but it would make you feel amazing if you did it. Um, well, right now what I'm working on is learning how to edit better. Because um, what right now is we've kind of got it split up to where I'm editing videos for promos and making everything better, and I am just kind of stumbling all the way through it. And I, it's, I don't know, it's kind of difficult and scary at the same time for me. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Have you ever just Googled how to edit videos or gotten some kind of training or a primer and just looked all at like time. top editing tips? Yep. Okay. Yeah, oh yeah, I, YouTube is my friend right now. Google's my friend. <laughs> it's like, yeah. what do I do? Oh, crap. I love it because, yeah, I'm, I'm at that point. I'll tell you guys, um, my YouTube videos, right? Uh, 
in the last month or two, I made like four small tweaks and just the reception I get now is far better. The views are higher. Um, and it was small things, Bradley. So just keep it up, man, because we start off at a certain skill set or aptitude with anything. And as we learn these things, as we emulate others that are at a certain level, as we ask for questions for help, um, we do the, that self-learning, that autodidactic learning, our skill levels get a lot better. And so my YouTube video, for example, I have a custom graphic template and it just looks a lot better. It, it, it's got the title, whatever my video is about. I use it as like the thumbnail now. And then um, I have like a custom graphic that pops up whenever you watch the video. It's got like some little fireworks or some shit. And just the whole thing is a lot cleaner. And then I learned to make my own playlist. I learned to use that pinned post for like my website or an offer. It's all these little things. And now I'm doing one video a week. I'll probably start doing three. But it's, I learned everything from this woman named Liz Germain that I saw here in San Diego. And she is a freaking wizard at YouTube. And she knows how to get like millions of views on videos. And I just watched some of her free stuff. And so yeah, man, just keep going. Keep working on them skills. Because I didn't know how to make a magazine four years ago. I had no journalism degree. I just, I just Googled it and I taught myself. I thought, this is a cool thing. And I learned how to do it for free. But yeah, just keep at it, man. You know, funny enough for you to say that, uh, uh, me and Kevin, this, this was kind of our brainchild of almost two years of thought going, we should do this. And then, you know, my girlfriend, his wife goes, that sounds stupid. And we're like, yeah, it probably is stupid. And then we finally, we finally went, you know what, let's do it and let's see what happens. And we got the YouTube channel started up. And then we went, you know, when we were talking, I think we were talking about podcasts and how we were tired of people just kind of hammering information down your throat. And we're like, we should like make a podcast that just random guys just talking to guys that are in positions of influence and just talk to them and just kind of kind of be in depth and go where wherever it goes and who cares who likes it because maybe they're going to like it maybe we're going to suck at it and then like the next week we got dave daly on our first episode and went here we go <laughs> yeah and i'll now now that i'm a part of this and i know what you guys are doing i will send you a few uh a few people heck yeah <laughs> awesome so yeah, if you dig Dave Daly, I, I've got a, a couple people. I mean, obviously, you can't top the monster motivator, but, oh. you know, I, I got a few people that uh, that would love to be part of this that probably bring some real good energy. Um, so, yeah, that that's the thing is that um, people won't always share the vision. And they mean well, but they think you're going to waste your time. They think it's not going to be anything. But I'll tell you right now, you know, when you show up and you're like, oh, hey, we made $1,000 with this episode. And they're going to be like, oh, so we can eat at Red Lobster tonight. Okay, keep doing the podcast. Tune <laughs> <laughs> real quick when you get some results, I'm just saying. Yeah. That's, our, uh, that's our future, to be honest. I mean, we've been talking with somebody about monetizing and stuff like that, and he's been, been helping us along the way because let's be honest, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> so I just did a YouTube video. I don't even know if I sent this to you, but I did a YouTube video on how to get sponsors. It's very short. It's like eight minutes and it's very effective. Nice. Um, so I can send it to you over messenger later, but, cool. but uh, I've been getting a lot of new podcasters reaching out to me and like, Hey man, how do I monetize this? Cause believe it or not guys, there's like eight ways you can monetize a podcast and um, it's stuff you wouldn't think of. And so I, I really uh, get into it in the video because 
believe it or not, a magazine is very similar to a podcast as far as like the features you can offer and like, like how to do a bundle package and all this different stuff. And so this, the strategies I've used to monetize Shift Magazine, actually most of them will work for a podcast, even though it's two different mediums, you know, uh, visual versus, versus audio. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll help you guys with this. Um, and that's the thing. You have to be able, you have to be able to do the work. You have to be able to um, really think about what you're doing and you have to have uh, like goals. You have to have actual income goals. Like, okay, within two episodes, we need to make $200 just to do it, just to actually like close some deals, talk to some people, you know, get some interest. And I'll tell you guys right now, the two things that are going to affect the yeses for sponsors are a branded graphic. Okay. A very nice branded graphic with both your pictures, your logo, and then, you know, something about the podcast and then some type of something in the background, like a city cityscape or Utah or something related to the podcast. So that's the first one's branded graphic. The second one, every third episode, interview a celebrity. You need a, you need someone at the Dave Daly level. I like it. I like it. Those are the two things, man. I'm telling you right now because that's what draws your crowd. So with Shift, we have a formula where I everybody that gets a cover is at a certain level of uh, of achievement, and it's a pretty high level. I don't just put on just anybody. Um, and if someone wants to come and buy the cover, you know, it's like $5,000 and I have had some offers. Um, but ultimately I try and have a cover that brings a big audience. And then I interview like one or two people that are kind of middle ground, like where I'm at, you know, a little bit recognizable, like they're kind of on social media a few times, but, but not famous, famous. And then I, one or two people I have in the magazine, completely unknown, like just starting off or just need that first interview, whatever. And I hook them up. I mean, it's just, it's what I would want someone to do for me. And it's a good stepping stone. So like I said, with a podcast, it's coming out regularly. Every third person, just get a big name and don't be scared of anybody. Just reach out and, uh, and just tell them your story and, and let them know you'll promote them. And, you know, just make those, make those friendships, man. I've, I've learned so much just from reaching out to celebrities. I've got like a 90% yes rate just because I, I reach out to them and I explain the value proposition and very few of them actually turn me down. Um, Kim Raluna is the only one that turned me down back in the early days because she didn't feel the, the magazine met her brand design, uh, uh, standard. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, she's never getting another offer again. So later, <laughs> you know, the, the biggest one, I think, uh, we've reached, Oh, here you go. Here you go. <laughs> Come on, man. Got a refill. Yeah, exactly. The biggest one that we've reached out to and we, we had, we had them interested and then I freaking tanked it, was uh, Kerwin Ray. But uh, we'll get him on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, make that list and circle back. And sometimes someone can't do it because maybe it's a season or maybe they got something going on. But definitely circle back if the relationship's good and if they're cool and they're talking. Um, uh, in my course, Tactical CEQ, we already went through the how to recruit celebrities, right? And so the, the, this is hilarious. Uh, one of the guys taking the course, Evan Derv, I asked them, I'm like, okay, who do you guys want to, uh, who do you guys want to reach out to? Like, who would be your dream person? And they name off two guys I've never heard of. I go to Google, I email both of them. I get a response back with a yes for an interview in one day. And these are not like small people. These are very successful people. It's like, Brad Lee and Leah and uh, Ed Milet. 
and uh, Brad's people got back to me within one day. And I've heard of Ed. I've heard yeah. of Ed. I haven't heard of Brad. Yeah, but both of them pretty pretty high level. And just the fact that that these guys could just throw these strange names at me, and I could just be okay. Here we go. Write that write that pitch. You know, just just get on the radar and uh, offer offer value, and boom, one day. So that you talk about proof of concept, and that's what you guys need to do. Just make your dream list. Like, hey, he would be really cool to interview, or she, you know, she did this or that. Um, but once you start getting those names, you got to understand every time you have somebody with a giant audience, you know, make sure they know, Hey, we'd love some promotion on social media, you know, share this episode. And that's how you're getting your followers every freaking time. And that's something I've learned with shift is, is if, if you have those people at that certain level, you know, you're going to be clipping audience members left and right. Yeah. I, I, my wife asked me once when me and Kevin got done with an episode, she was, how do you, how do you get these people to, how, how are you not afraid to talk to them? I go, I think we're too stupid to be afraid. I think that's really the, the thing is, well, let, that guy looks important. Let's talk to him. <laughs> you know, what's funny though, is I added somebody or something. I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden ah. <laughs> he's laughing. He already knows. So I started talking to like one dude. And then all of a sudden, my Facebook just explodes. It was like, this person sent you a friend request. This one did. This one, this, this. Yeah. And I got like, I went from like 200 friends on Facebook to like eight in like a week. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I have no idea what I did, but my phone just like went nuts. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, you buttholes almost broke my phone. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> It's an after effect because I do the same thing. So let's say that I give a guest training in somebody's Facebook group. Like, you know, I'll have 20 requests immediately and recognize the names. And that's the way it works. It, it, that's why I say get as many interviews as you can, do as many guest trainings as you can, because people are going to gravitate to you if you come across as cool and interesting. Um, Liz Germain, you know, I, I, Marshall Gillen had an event. I, I went and I watched her YouTube presentation. I was like, this girl knows her stuff and she's amazing. She lives here. She's local. And so I, you know, I friend requested her instantly. Now she's got a fan and it, it's just the way it goes. If you are a compelling personality, if you're fun, outgoing, you have good energy, people will find you and they will want to, you know, view your stuff. We try to be interesting. doesn't work. <laughs> we just laugh at ourselves a lot and that works yeah that's that's basically it is we laugh at each other and then we just try to get information because yeah. it's like yeah we don't know how to do this podcast format like we have one scripted question and that's it because that's the only good question we come up with but every every time we ask it it blows the person's mind i think, it, I think it. it's actually better sometimes because unscripted just means you can you can go in directions that people won't expect exactly yeah okay so i'll give you the scripted question yeah in your personal idea what is success to you success to me is is freedom and balance and i'll explain what i mean by that um for me personally i get crazy if i work in a cubicle i know that i'm way too nuts to ever have a boss and um the ability entrepreneurship like what i love about it is the freedom the freedom that on a Thursday I can go to the beach and eat a fish taco and have a Corona at two in the, at two in the afternoon while everybody else is in an office working for somebody they hate, begging for a raise, hoping they get their raise. Um, 
and not having control over their life so that they can just retire one day at 65 and wonder where their life and their freedom went. And I would rather take the chance, take three, four years of my life where I'm just doing okay, slow incremental growth, but I can do anything I want and nobody is telling me what to do. Nobody has any power over me. So that's freedom. Balance is about being able to have a, a, a good work life, a career that you're working towards, but also family time, friends time, a little bit of fun. You know, I'm 43, so I'm not partying as much as I used to, but I, I like the fact that um, if I want to, you know, I live in San Diego. I can go do a lot of fun things. I went to, I went to a comedy show uh, two weeks ago and it was something called secret comedy where they don't even tell you like who's on it or where it's at until you buy the ticket and then you just go to it. Right. It's like an impromptu. They just set up. It's like a carnival. They just set up. They're there for one night. They get a bunch of comedians in, you watch the show and you leave and it's bring your own bottle, which was awesome. So I go and check this out. I met like five comedians. They made, you know, I'm the only military guy in the audience, clearly, you know, big air force shirt, big scowl on my face. And they're, they're making fun of me left and right, which is amazing. And so one of the guys, well, don't sit in the front row, dude. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i was in the front row and that's your first mistake you were brutal i had i so had it coming but one of the guys really liked my stuff i was talking to him and then now i'm doing some business stuff for him because i have a formula for comedians that helps them to grow believe it or not um but yeah freedom and balance and so that's what success is to me bradley is it is it um it for me it's not about money like we think about success and like, oh, we all want the Lambo. We all want, you know, six, seven figures, whatever. And the girls in bikinis, all stuff. For me, honestly, the fact that I can make an income doing what I love, serving my audience and having people's lives genuinely get better because of the goofy knowledge I've accumulated, um, that makes me feel amazing. And that's why I think I've had this, this rise because, uh, I've just uh, been able to been able to get better at what I do and just constantly tweaking the results, man. But freedom and balance, that's it. I like it. I like it. You know, it's funny. It's like half the people just like immediately know the response, but like the other half that we've interviewed went, huh, shit. <laughs> well, it's a great question, first of all. And yeah. it's, you know, it's going to be different for everybody. Some yeah. people, some people want that Scrooge McDuck vault so they can go swimming and backstroking and coins and, and cash. And for me, I want to earn according to what I uh, create for people. So if I don't have results for someone, I can't honestly charge them 750 bucks an hour. So yeah. that's always the thing right now. My, my biggest thing is popularity versus results because a lot of entrepreneurs out there are very popular and are not good at what they do. And we're talking the gurus, the influencers, a lot of people are not results focused. They're just income focused. They're like, hey, I'm gonna sell every person in this room and we're gonna get them enrolled in the program and I'm just never gonna talk to them again. I'm gonna turn them over to a flunky. This happens a lot. And for me, I need those repeat customers. I'm not at that point where people are expendable. And I go back to the people I've worked with that have paid me money even from a year or two ago and I'm like, hey, were your results good? You know, did you make a bunch of sales? Can I, can I help you with the magazine? Like when somebody signs on with me, even if it's just like a $47 ebook sale, I will go back and I will check on them. I'll say, what do you need? Because I'm still at that point where I'm not big enough yet to where I can still track everybody and I can still check in. And I think that's the, the real difference of why people work with me. 
because I will come back two years later and just say, Hey, how's your business going? I'm checking up on you. I care about you. And it's more of a, it's more of a business friendship. I'm not, this sounds weird guys. I'm going to admit something real crazy to you. I have downsold to four people. I've literally said, Hey, you could buy the $2,000 uh, taxi EQ program, but really all you need is a $750 consulting call. Here's the difference of what you're going to get. And I've talked my way out of money. And I think that's the reason that people trust me is because I have ethics, because I'm not going for the biggest sale I can get. I'm going for the best result I can get for someone. See, and that's, that's one thing that really drew me towards you is, is you have all of this knowledge and you're more than happy to share it. And like you had told me, cause I was, I had the idea I was going to write this book and that whole thing, um, whatever. But, um, you had said, yeah, I'll help you go through it and this and that. And all I ask is you buy one of mine. You were like, I'll help you get it published and everything. And I was just like, what? <laughs> like that's, that's crazy from a business perspective, but for building a culture, I think that that's incredible. And I think that it's really admirable that you're willing to do stuff like that. Thanks, man. I, I actually gave my first refund uh, a while ago and I'm going to tell you guys a story I've never told anybody. This just recently happened like a month ago. This happens a lot on our podcast. We're doing yeah. like, <laughs> like every time I'm going to say, tell you a story. No one knows. Yes. Yeah. So I always pride myself on having this perfect track record, right? Of working with people. Nobody's ever complained. Nobody's ever wanted a refund. And so a guy hired me. We did a, uh, it was another Air Force vet. And he hired me when I was in the Middle East to, to write him an ebook and do a funnel and like get it out there, some sales, blah, blah, blah. And so we brought in another person. The ebook gets written. I give it to him. But we never actually launched. We never actually made sales. And then after I got back from the Middle East, um, we barely talked for like a year. We had some conversations, but it never like got brought up. And I forgot about it. I mean, it's just the way that things go sometimes. And so I did this Facebook post on ethics and integrity. And this guy just pops up out of nowhere and just says, Hey, what about that project we were working on? Where did my 697 bucks go? You know, I got the ebook, but we never took it anywhere. And I was like, Oh man, he, you know, he got me. And so as soon as I was able to, like it took about two weeks and I, I told him it'd take four weeks and it took two, but I get, I gave him a 100% refund. I gave him the ebook and I gave him a graphic I had paid for um, to sell it. And he got, you know, he got the best deal on earth and that's fine because I dropped the ball and I recognize that, but guess what? I still have a perfect record because no one can ever say Rob ripped me off. No one can ever say, Hey, Rob took my money, didn't deliver any of this stuff. And I'm, I'm, um, I'm real proud of that, but it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, I got a pie shoved in my face because of my own actions, because I didn't quite deliver everything. And that's, um, it's important to me because Here's an interesting business philosophy. Let's say Bradley comes to me. He likes my stuff. I sell him a super expensive package. It doesn't get him the results he wants though. Like he doesn't, like he signs on to learn how to do a digital course and we make the course. He pays me like, you know, 700 bucks. The course only sells like 150. So he's pissed off. He is never going to work with me again. If I burn him and I don't listen to his complaints and I don't listen to his results or his performance, and that's what a lot of these entrepreneurs are doing. I'm not going to name names, but it's very prevalent to make as many sales as you can. And once that sale's made, boom, the guru, the influencer, whoever disappears. Bradley is stuck with this subpar program. He's not making money. He's not sure what's going on. And now almost no one can help him. Is he going to buy from me ever again? No, 
Now he's going to give me a one star on Yelp. He's going to go on Facebook and say, Rob, the warrior strategist ripped me off. This guy sucks, blah, blah, blah. He's going to burn me to everyone he knows. And I'm just out there trying to get the next five to 10 suckers. You cannot run a business like that and keep your reputation. You cannot. And that's why I'm so like focused on the, the Rob experience, like making sure it's great. I like that. I like that a lot. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, you you go through Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whichever you do. I mean, there's a ton of them out there. And there's a lot of negatives and a lot of positives around them. You don't see a lot of positives just with one person, too. Yeah, it's – um. I focus, you know, I look at the Facebook ads. That's the biggest thing. And I'm just like, wow, all these guys are doing is just trying to sell courses to desperate people. And one thing you almost never see is actual client results. And that is the, the medium of success. So if you ask me, Hey Rob, what are your client results? Okay. Well, um, Kurt Ballish, I got him on the front page of the paper and he got six months of orders for his woodworking company. Um, he had, he had to like, yeah, he just went nuts, like trying to fulfill them because he got this giant influx. Right. Um, Brian, Wright, I got him in the front page of the paper. Sorry, Brian King, not right. Brian King, I got in the front page of the paper in like two hours. Um, Patrick Kirby took taxi EQ, modeled his own course with my permission after it, $7,000 in sales from his course. Jen Shaw, she took my course. Uh, I convinced her to create a yoga course of her own, $2,000 in two weeks in sales. So the results are there. And if I don't get the results, I don't take the money. I, I, will, I will give people's money back and I have a refund policy in every single contract. And I think I'm bringing back integrity and ethics in business. And, and I'm really, I'm not trying to like toot my own horn, but it's just, it's one of those things. Like I couldn't live myself if I made somebody poor or they're, you know, spending their freaking rent money to work with me and I'm not delivering. Like that's the way I look at it. I like that a lot. I mean, that's, that's how it should be really in the end. It, it should be, man. Um, but people get greedy. They, they don't, some of them aren't ready for success. I know, I know a few veterans out there that um, got successful very quick, didn't have the infrastructure in place. And then a lot of people um, were unfulfilled, unsatisfied, didn't get what they wanted. And so that's something I always think of too. So let's say, let's say one day I get on Big Fox, right? Fox News, overnight I'm a success, or I get on Tim Ferriss' podcast. So, something happens where Rob the Warrior Strategist all of a sudden now has 100 orders waiting. And so what do you have to do? You have to create a team. You have to create an organizational structure. You have to figure out where you're at. You have to be ready for these orders and you have to prioritize rack and stack. I've seen three companies, three people get so much business because of something, some random thing, whatever. They hit the jackpot, they weren't ready, and then they let a lot of people down. And two of them are not in that business anymore. And it's it's a scary thing. You know, you think, wow, that's a that's the litmus test. Like that's what we all want is, you know, the overnight success. But if you aren't ready for it and you aren't ha- you don't have the 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 backup, the infrastructure, you're going to drown and people need to you know, keep that in mind too. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Cause I mean, you, you had mentioned earlier about fear. Um, and like one of my things is 
we're going to start monetizing this. And my big fear is I'm not going to deliver, you know what I mean? And, uh, like I, I, we, we start getting into stuff and I'm like, crap, I'm not ready. (laughs) But then I'm like, wait, no, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm ready. I'm just getting into my own head. You know what I mean? Yeah. And dude, I, you know, I'm going to get real honest with you guys. I've had a couple glasses of wine, but I mean, I, I fear homelessness. I fear not being able to make rent at times, you know, as entrepreneurs, a lot more of us are on the roller coaster than you would think. Yep. And it's not always fun and games. Like I've, I've been very fortunate. I've had some very big clients lately. I'm doing okay. But like I said, I'm not quite at that level where it's completely steady yet. I have like 11 income streams and I have to work my ass off to keep them. But I get it, man. And really all you have to remember if you have that fear is if you don't deliver for somebody, refund their money. Good to go. And no one can ever fault you for that. Just yeah. make sure that you have good contracts if for anything over $500. Make sure that deadlines are strictly enforced. You know, I reviewed a contract today of a five-figure client. And I'm like, okay, uh, this is due in five days. I need to get on this. But as long as, as long as you're tight with dates, you have a calendar, you're marking off stuff. You're like, I owe this person this by this date. You'll be fine. You know, just keep each other. Uh, the good thing is about you guys, there's two of you, right? You can keep each other accountable. You can talk about this stuff. You can have these calls. Like I'm way too much of a lone wolf and I need, I need to get somebody that, that, you know, uh, my accountability partner, I hired a coach today. Like I hired a, a performance coach. I'm going to give her a try. It's somebody I met at a business meeting. She's got it together. And um, that's my own accountability because I'm, I'm at that point where I'm ready to take some, some pretty big steps and I've caught myself stopping. Dude, I was asked to be interviewed by a pretty famous person in San Diego, and I still haven't followed up on it. And that's the point where that's my own internal fears kicking in. Because when you grow up, how'd you guys grow up? Let me, let, let's ask an honest question. Did you guys grow up with money or were you stable, middle class, what? So we actually grew up like, what, three streets away from each other? Yeah. So, oh, so myself, a cool. uh, single mom, uh, she did, she did her best. I mean, we'll be honest. Yeah. Uh, I, I had what I needed and some of the stuff I wanted, but not, I mean, it wasn't a cush life, no silver spoon or anything like that. Uh, I'd, I'd say middle class. Okay. I'd, I'd have to say the same. Grew up with a, with a mom that, you know, liked to work with her hands. Grew up with a Marine Corps dad. Uh, oh, that must have been cool, or at least different. Uh, <laughs> he says, Parts of it were cool. He says cool. My dad, don't get me wrong, but Staff Sergeant Coy is the scariest motherfucker you're ever going to see. <laughs> I I got driven into the wall more than once for saying something wrong to my mom. Uh, but do you feel it made you a better man? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because my, my grandfather uh, only had an eighth grade education, Navy vet, served on a Pacific carrier in like 45. When I was in eighth grade once, I smarted off the dinner table. He punched me in the back, and I was good till I was 21. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, some people are like really against spanking your kids or corporal punishment. I'm like, that, hey, that shit worked. I never got in trouble after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, I mean, I, I'm of the same accord. I mean, I didn't have all, we didn't have all the money, but we, you know, we got to do things and, you know, just kind of middle of the road. And I honestly, I look back and I, I'm kind of happy for it. 
because I see all these people that had a cush life and now they're adults and they're just killing themselves trying to get back to the cush life where I'm going, okay, I've lived with money. I've lived without money and I can kind of do it. I want to add to that really quick. Yeah. I had a friend in high school who lived in Utah. The East side is like the rich side. (laughs) His dad owned a car dealership and some other stuff. And I appreciated everything I had. Right. And this little fucker gets a brand new Camaro in high school. Oh, I remember this guy. (laughs) And he was the biggest dick. Like he treated everything he had like shit and everything that I've, I've kind of observed and it's not with him specifically, but it seems like everyone that has everything handed to them for some reason seems to think that life is this game that they can just tiptoe through and whatever. And they end up in fucking jail or dead or broke. You know what I mean? Like they just, they don't have any appreciation or dedication to actually like make themselves better because they were just handed everything. They've never been challenged as the problem and they've never, they can treat life like it's frivolous. So, you know, whenever I went to school with some 16 year old rich girl who wrecks her car and the next day her dad's got her a new car, I'm, you know, she's never going to learn. And so the point, well, the reason why I ask you guys this question is because for some of us that grow up without a lot of money, like I, I grew up, you know, I, I'm very public about this. My mom had a serious drug addiction. She was a cook, just did the best she could raising this shithead kid in some awful logging town. And she partied a lot. I moved 16 times from first grade to 11th grade. Um, and so I, I was, I knew a lot of kids that were worse than I was. I, I try not to complain about it or dwell on it, but these things get in your head. And so they create, you know, when you run into adults that are super cheap, or they have money blocks, or they really like have these, these poverty mindsets. It's a lot of times it's childhood stuff. And so for me, I have to fight these, these demons every damn day because, you know, I grew up in ninth grade in this hoarder house, floor to ceiling, clothes, junk, yard sale stuff, cockroaches, rats, um, child protective services, uh, should have snatched me from my family a few times in my life. And, and, and it was very challenging, man. And so, as an adult to get over that shame and to actually have some money and get a PhD and be recognized. I won a business award a while ago. It's just all this stuff, super surreal for me. And I, I need to think like a wealthier person and accept this, this success into my life, this money into my life to not, not be angry at rich people, not um, be envious. You know, it's these little things because this is how we elevate ourselves. And so that's why this apartment was such a win for me because I'm in Qatar, you know, my mom dies of cancer halfway through and I just go through the hardest struggle I've ever gone through. And just the, the, the Qatar experience was just shit because every single day I was getting yelled at and it's just the, the team there was really bad for what I was doing. Um, but I mean, it was Qatar. I'm not, you know, I'm not a combat vet or anything. I'm not complaining on that level, but it just, it was just very challenging, very negative. And so in my mind, you know, like Shawshank, I had this vision of like what my life should have been like, like what, I want it to be when I come back to San Diego. And so I started looking at apartments with floor to ceiling windows. I wanted a New York style apartment with a lot of light and someplace I could be creative and, and run my companies and really have a fun time, man. And just finally feel like I made it. And so I, I saved up a bunch of money, you know, tax-free guitar and, and, and master sergeant in the air force, you know, you get in that base allowance housing, like all this stuff. 
And so saved up all my money, came back. And just the fact that I could move into a place like this and be able to host parties still trips me out. I've been here a year now and I live in a nice building. That's like three years old. I live above a gourmet restaurant and I'm still having trouble accepting this. And it's just that thing, man, you guys always have to be up leveling in your mind. You have to do the things that will get you to that next level of income, that next level of what's it like to make $10,000 in a day. Maybe I should hire a coach. Maybe I should start, start reaching out to more successful people that are way up the ladder than me. So moving into this apartment, you know, I checked out like four places and this one just spoke to me. And so, you know, I did the panoramic a little earlier, but I wake up and I just trip out. Like I, I have never, ever lived in what I would call a nice place and had space and had high ceilings and all this stuff. And it's just, I'm immensely grateful, but it's still weird. And we, I think all of us need to really think, okay, what's our next level? Maybe it's not a bigger house. You guys probably have houses and you guys are probably satisfied, but maybe it's hosting a business event. Maybe it's doing something with the chamber of commerce. Maybe it is, you know, it, it could be anything. Always be thinking about up leveling though. You know, what's my next step? I'm not moving out of this place for at least four years. I, I freaking love it here. But for me, it's going to be a blue Porsche. And then it's going to be um, two events a year in San Diego. And I'm talking big ones. I've done one event, five figure sales. Um, but it was a, you know, it was a fluke. We got, we got pretty lucky. I partnered up with somebody that was a pretty good name and we, we made it happen. But I want to be that guy that teaches business strategies. I want to be known in San Diego like Tony Robbins was a long time ago when he was, he owned, he pretty much owned San Diego, you know, in his earlier years. And I, I, I don't need to be a guru. I don't need to be an influencer. I just want to be the person where people walk into the event and they come out a better person making a lot more money. That's who I want to be. I love it. I like it. So what's your, what's your plan to get there? Well, I hired a performance coach today. Um, I'm going to be talking to Sean Douglas and probably hiring him as well. Um, because I've got this crazy network, dude, and it's, it's, I'm grateful for it. You know, I have income streams uh, coming in from different directions, but now I'm at that point where I need to hire a small team. I need to delegate the, uh, the small stuff like emails and social media. And I'm at that point where I need to um, not be doing everything. The magazine for four years, I do the entire thing except for the cover. So it's a 30 page magazine. I do all the interviews. I do all the layouts. I do the digital binding. I do the marketing. I do the ads, the entire thing. And once in a while I bring on guest writers. So this time I did something different. So for this issue, I hired two ladies to come over and they both of them wrote three articles in one day. I paid them a contractor fee and we got, you know, most of the issue done in one day, which is unheard of. And so the biggest thing is just understanding like at what level you have to hand over tasks because the focus should be automation and delegation to where all you're doing is talking to your operations managers and you're not doing the small stuff. You're not worrying about everything. You've, you've created this competent team that is profitable and bringing in money. And all you're doing is talking to operations managers and not like having to do a thousand things a day. So that's, that's how I'm doing this. I'm setting bigger income goals. Um, 
and I'm really, I'm really working on identifying the small quirks that keep me from doing stuff. Bradley, you ever put anything off that you know you need to do? Oh yeah. You made him jump. <laughs> I like, I like to, because I don't know him as well. Like I, I like to kind of throw these questions out there, flip the script a little bit. Like, Hey, oh, yeah. what dude, what's going on? <laughs> um, I mean, uh, I don't know for a year and a half now I've been taking, I, I work at a sewer plant and, uh, they have different operator levels and each level has a higher paying grade. Well, I've taken the same test seven times and gotten 69, six times. A wow. 70 is the passing grade. And everybody's like, well, what are you doing wrong? I don't know. And everybody's like, well, do you study? Three of the times I did. Well, what'd you do? I kind of put it to the side. So dude, I love, I love that first of all, because I can relate to it because in the air force reserve, I'm still in, um, I could be a seven striper. I could put on that next stripe. I have to learn 1500 pages of material and take three tests. It's gnarly. And it, it would affect my retirement. It would get me more money every month. It, it's, you know, I mean, once you make master sergeant, that's a giant jump in status, housing, the whole nine. Um, but once I get this next rank, it's pretty much guaranteed to me. I just have to pass these tests. So I, dude, I get you. Um, what you have to do, you have to imagine the end result. You have to visualize passing this test and you have to just buckle down. Even the material sucks. And trust me, mine sucks. It's psychology, management, leadership theory, uh, written by a bunch of civilian psychologists. I don't give a shit. None of this is going to help me in my job, you know, but we have to train for the fight and it doesn't wrap around us. We wrap around it. And so if this would affect your life in a positive way and you know, your, 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 your significant other would be proud of you and you'd make more money and it would affect your life in a better way. And you'd get, you know, higher up the ladder, man, just sit down and focus on this. Just do an hour a day, whatever you got to do. Maybe talk to some people that have passed this test. You know, my last book was on speed learning. So, it's just these little things. But if your subconscious and your actual mind is telling you, I don't want to do this and it's fighting and kicking and clawing, you're not going to want to learn this. But if you set up a mindset where you're like, oh, wow, the end result is more money and more status and better jobs and better opportunities, you know, it becomes a little bit more tolerable. I, I hated doing math in eighth grade. And I'd go into my grandmother set up my study room and I would just listen to Metallica and, you know, do the best I could, but I had immense troubles with focus. And even as an adult, man. So I'm just saying, you got to ask yourself, are you satisfied where you're at now? I mean, you're at 69, dude. You're, you, you don't have very far of a journey to go. Right. Yeah. That's, that's one thing that uh, my wife has sat down with me and we've talked about. Cause I, I do, I study, I study for about 30 minutes a day because that's all I can really focus on. Yeah. Um, and she goes, you pushed me so hard for my schooling because she's going to get her master's degree. Yeah. And I'm like, because I know you want it. She goes, well, you don't push yourself that hard. I go, I push my heart myself to as far as my brain will allow me. And she goes, well, that sounds stupid. I go, yeah, because after 30 minutes, I'm like, what did I read? I literally didn't read anything. So even if it's garbage, this is what I did. And this, so this sounds insane, but it got me a PhD. <laughs> so <laughs> I used colors and I used pictures. 
and so if you sit down with graph papers, graph paper and colored pencils, and you're studying this material, and you're just taking notes, you're writing down, that could be a study question, and you write it down. And maybe you draw a goofy picture. You draw, because I'm telling you right now, I found this picture in my storage unit of when I was getting my PhD. It was a freaking, it had a fighter jet, and I think it had a minotaur riding a surfboard. And all it was was a little map of all the classes I had to take to get my PhD. And it had all this goofy shit in it. But I'll tell you, man, 50% of the people dropped out of my program, and I have a PhD now. Okay, say what you will. If you have, if you have an unfocused mind, colors, diagrams, writing shit down, it all helps. Because it, it takes you to a different place where it's not just boring-ass textbooks. It's not just stupid shit. And once you write stuff down, it cements in your subconscious brain a little bit more. And maybe you'll get that question. You'll remember, oh, that's the question that I, I, I wrote down when I drew a, a pirate shit next to it or a Buck Rogers spaceship or the Enterprise. You know, whatever your thing is, man. We all have our thing. Freaking, you know, if you get to a different topic, make a Star Wars character for each one and, and you know, draw, you know, whatever your thing is. Just saying, cre creativity makes studying so much more fun. I like it. I'm going to have to do it. Man, that's the, that's the deepest we've ever gotten. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It's important, man. It's, obvi it's obvious you're a creative. It's obvious like you're a fun dude. And you just, like, I I'm, I'm right with you, man. I hate academia. I can't stand a boring classroom. I can't stand being lectured at by a teacher because I either think about college chicks or skateboarding or video games within about nine minutes. And it's just, I've been like this since 13. I'm not going to change. Right. Well, and that's, that's one thing that uh... – I try to do at work because we get a we've got a lot of construction going on, a lot of new stuff, and I mean reading the book, I I can't even tell you what I read read yesterday, but if I can work on it and I can touch it, I can tell you exactly how it works tomorrow. Kinesthetic slash tactile learner. Yep. My PhD is in project based learning, so <laughs> <laughs> I learned all all the learning styles, and then I wrote the speed learning book to help other people to get through this stuff. Um. But yeah, you need to assign colors, visual cues. You need to spruce it up to make it where it's a fun lesson. Okay. And you have to relate some real world examples to it. So I hate this Air Force stuff. I can't stand it. So I make up analogies. I, I draw some pictures. I write out lessons and I look for stuff that I'm like, okay, they will definitely ask me about that. And you start to get that mind where you're looking at stuff and you're like, okay, this is all fluff. This one might be an important piece of information. I mean, you've taken this test a few times. You know, you know the format. So you know if it's going to be essay, multiple choice, you know, fill in the blank, all that stuff. So that right. gives you some, some headway right there. I'm telling you, man, take notes, review your notes, do a good cram session a couple days before the test. Do you work on test anxiety? Like, do you work on managing your stress before you go and take these tests? Um, I used to have a lot of test anxiety, but it was because I'd focus on the test. And okay. so, like, a couple of days before, I'll cram for it, and then, like, the day before, I don't even think about it. Because then when I go to it, I freak out about it. Right. Because I was at a place where the Air Force sent me to these Link 16 schools, and this is, like, computer networking stuff. I'm not a tech guy. And I was terrified. I was like, you guys can't send me. I failed at a high school. I failed at two colleges. Like, I'm dumb. 
you know, I might have a PhD, but don't let the affiliates just because I'm too stupid to quit. And so I, I, they sent me to Fort Bragg. The reserves are paying all this money for this. And I created my own little routine and I did, um, I did study groups. I did everything I did, didn't do in high school and college. I did study groups. I made all these diagrams. I wrote tons and tons of notes and really stayed focused on the notes and like read them and understood what they meant. And then in the, the day of the test to manage my stress, I would do deep breathing that somebody taught me where you just do a couple of very deep inhalations. Don't go crazy because you'll hyperventilate, but just like five times. I would do jumping jacks, cold shower, alpha brain, and then I would listen to Guns N' Roses' Paradise City as I was driving to the classroom. I passed every test first time for the first class, the second class, actually the third class. I made it through three, three out of four classes, and the fourth one was advanced in Las Vegas. I made it all the way to the end and got a 60 on my final eval. But the point is, I should have flunked real hard, but I managed my stress, thought about the end result, I made it kind of fun. And then I, I uh, you know, I just did different stuff. But you got to get yourself in that mindset and you have to tell yourself positive stuff too. That's a big one. Don't be like, oh, I'm going to fail this or I'm worried about it. No, man, just walk in there like too short. Just walk in like a player. Like you own this, you've done this, you're experienced. Think about, you have to create visualizations of how your life is going to be better when you pass this test. That's what's going to get your mind focused. Like I said, your internal subconscious, if it's fighting you, you are not going to pass this test. If your internal subconscious is like, I want my life to be better. I want to pass this damn thing. I want to make more money. I want my, my wife to be proud of me. I want all this stuff. Good to go. I like that. I like that a lot. Now you know why I love Rob so much. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm a lunatic that sits in the dark drinking wine? Yeah. <laughs> It's all well, good. I, I ran out. <laughs> the, the first time Kevin ever told me about you was when he went to the meltdown in the desert. And I'm still to this day, and I probably will be until I die, I'm extremely butthurt that he got to go and I didn't. And uh, uh, everybody asks, you know, why are you butthurt about that? I go, there was so much information that I wasn't a part of, and I wanted to be a part of it. And now, I mean, we're talking to a bunch of people. We're getting all information. And sometimes, some episodes, it's like, okay, you got to stop with the information. My brain hurts. Yeah. It was yeah. funny on that note. Um, we actually listen to every episode that we record probably, I mean, me personally, probably about 10 times so that I can reprocess everything that, that went through. Yeah. And so I'm going to help you guys out with something amazing. You take the best five episodes that you've ever done. You make an ebook out of it. You sell it for 97 bucks and there's your monetizable product at the end of every year. Thousand bucks. Easy. I like it. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I never even thought about that. Nobody ever does. And so what you do is you get a sound clip from everything. You find one meaningful sentence out of, or maybe three out of, you know, a couple of interviews that you've done. You make a little preview video and like, Hey guys, check this out. We took our top five or 10 interviews from the year 
these pros, you know, these guys that are doing whatever, Rob the Warrior strategist, and he taught us some ways of monetization, ways to pass tests, blah, 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 you know. And then you just pop that bad boy out as an ebook, 87, 97 bucks, whatever. Put a cool graphic on it, you know, spring for a great cover, cost you 30 bucks maybe, and then just get it out there. But this is what I teach. And one thing I teach, I'm going to give you guys a real gold bar. One thing I teach is take your Facebook lives. Whenever you do one that's like super powerful and like actually teaching techniques and information, crazy shit that's rare, um, keep the link on a, on a Microsoft Word document. And at the end of the year, like right now, I'm probably rocking 60 Facebook lives that I can turn into an entire course. That's what Trish Lito calls repurposing. Hmm. And um, it, it, nobody ever thinks about this. They're just like, oh, I'm just going to do a Facebook Live and teach some stuff. Oh, it went well, blah, blah, blah. And it just disappears in the ether. Well, guess what? That's a paycheck disappearing into the ether. That's awesome. That is awesome. I like that a lot. Yeah. Income streams, guys. Um, what you do is valuable. You know, we all, we're all creators of content. We all interview inter interesting people and we can turn around and take that into something. Corey Poirier, uh, his last book, all he did was just interview famous people. And he had like 60 people in his last book, uh, did a crowdfunding uh, venture for it, made a bunch of money. I was in it and uh, released it. And it's just one of those things, man, you do not have to be famous. You can just reach out to people say, Hey, I'm writing a book. I'd love to have you in it. And guess how many people are going to say yes. Um, almost all of them, unless they're stupid. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, we are probably close to time here. Cool. All right. So, well, uh, I, I just want to say thank you both. Um, I needed this on a personal level just to talk to some people today, uh, some friends. And um, this has been an amazing experience because once in a while I do need just, just a, 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 a hot wash just to relax and just talk with friends. And it's a good thing for me too. So thank you both. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Thank now, you for hopping on. I mean, we really appreciate it. Yeah. We'd, we'd love to have you back on again. A couple months down the road or whatever. We'll, we'd love to talk to you again. Only if you send me that fancy gaming chair you're sitting in. Cause I'm very jealous. Oh, this one. Yeah. It looks like a racing seat. That's amazing. You know what though? Before you get that chair, you need a new bookshelf. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, that's from the old apartment. You know that bookshelf died, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. And I remind you all the time. Yeah, yeah. Mark, Mark Dudek too. Mark Dudek loves that picture. Like Bradley might not know this. Like, so I have a picture at the old apartment. I have a bookshelf. It's literally. It looks like this. It's just filled with books, and eventually, it's an IKEA bookshelf. And eventually, I broke it because of all my, my military and my special ops books are on the top, like all the Navy SEAL books, and just it destroyed the bookshelf. So yeah. He, he took a picture when it collapsed and tagged me in it, and he's like, hey, your dream came true. <laughs> yeah, see, this is my life, and I get the, that spot. That's where my ammo goes. That's the only spot I get. I love it. See, that's sturdy. Uh -huh. don't, buy, don't buy from the Swiss, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I am down. I will send you a chair for you to come back on. That'd be great. Oh man. I would love that. I, um, yeah, I gotta, I gotta step up my, my chair game. Um, all right, boys. Well, thank you so much. Uh, and let's, let, let's talk business this week or next week. Um, reach out to me. Don't hesitate. And I'm not just saying that you guys know I'm the real deal. Like just reach out to me. 
I would love to show you like some ways to monetize, but set a goal to where you have an income goal for every episode, set a goal to have X amount of sponsors by this date, make this a thing and look at podcasts that are branded well that you can emulate. Donnie Bovine is a great one to emulate, kind of look at the way he's doing stuff. Jacqueline, uh, Jacqueline uh, Paxton is unbelievable. But you guys have to make, this is what I do with the magazine, right? I, I bought four magazines and I was looking at fonts and I was looking at articles and how they're done. And you have to emulate someone until you can get to a level where someone's emulating you.